0: The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth
2: Management registered representative offering securities and advisory services through Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, a broker, dealer, and registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. Satera is under separate ownership from Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Rosenthal Wealth Management Group is located at 9265 Corporate Circle in Manassas, Virginia, and can be reached at 703-330-3100. Chris McKay is not affiliated with Satira Advisor Networks, LLC, nor Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Bob Jones is an employee of Rosenthal Wealth Management, group and affiliated with satira
1: it's time now for making money sense live with larry rosenthal larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now author speaker and talk show host larry rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Well, welcome once again to the Larry
2: Rosenthal Show. Today, of course, once again, we talked about this a little bit last week, Dina Arnett is in studio with us again. Good to see you, Dina.
3: Good morning. Good to be here.
2: I know we've talked a lot about some fun things last week. <laughs> it's been a little bit bumpy up and down in the markets, but uh, I'm sure you've got some insight on that. Welcome and glad to have you here.
3: It's it's always nice to be here. Nice to see you. Yeah, it's it's been a week. You know, we had the, the Fed meeting on Wednesday and the Fed... Did some things. The market loved it on Wednesday and on Thursday, not so much. And then yesterday uh, ended up up a little bit. But but overall, the Dow lost 4.79% this week. The S&P lost 5.79% this week. The NASDAQ mm-hmm. lost 4.78% this week. We've got both the S&P and the NASDAQ firmly in bear market territory. And really, this is going on all over the world. Not only the S&P and the NASDAQ are in bear market territory, also the Euro Stocks 50 is down more than 20% from its peak. So this is, is not a phenomena exclusive to the United States right now. It's, it's all over. And we're seeing volatility in, in the U.S. Treasury yields. So when we talk Treasury yields, the yield of the U.S. Treasury runs in the opposite direction from the price of the Treasury. So if I talk about yields have gone up, that means the value of the Treasury has gone down, which indicates people are selling their U.S. Treasuries. And this week that happened, the US Treasury yield rose to three and a quarter percent from 3.15%. And that's all indicative of investor sentiment around inflation and the Fed. The price of a barrel of West Texas intermediate crude oil did go down a little bit this mm. week. It dropped from one twenty to one ten you 're not going to see much difference at the pump with with a change like that, but it did come back down a bit and This thing that we use to measure volatility, the vix, it rose to thirty three from twenty seven the previous week. So all of those numbers to say yeah it's been a rough week it's been it's been a difficult week. There was a lot of anticipation early in the week about what the Fed may do. And if you'll recall, at the end of last week... We got a higher than expected CPI reading, and so there was a lot of speculation going into this week's Federal Reserve meeting that they may raise rates more than they have in the past, and sure enough, they did. They rose interest rates to by 0.75 percent. Now they're working with short-term rates, okay? They're working with what's called the federal funds rate. So now that rate is between one and a half and one and three quarters percent. And when they made their their statement announcing the increase, the Fed actually removed some language from previous statements about expecting the labor market to be strong. And some have interpreted that to mean that the Fed is willing to tolerate higher unemployment to bring inflation under control. You're going to see a whole lot of data coming through in the coming weeks, and the data is going to start reflecting a slowdown in things like housing. We've already seen that, right? The, the housing data is already coming in. We had some unemployment numbers that were a little higher than anticipated. You're going to see perhaps corporate earnings slow down. And when you see all these things, when you hear all these these data points and you hear Talking heads on the financial media talk about these are recessionary signals. These are signs of an economic slowdown. Yes, they are. And that's what the Fed's trying to engineer right now. We need an economic slowdown to bring inflation back into more normal levels. We've got a handful of things that are playing into the inflation story right now. We've got fiscal policy that went way too long. Mm-hmm. All of the extra money that was doled out in the wake of COVID, that money stayed circulating in the system, and those those benefits stayed available for longer than they should have. We've got the Federal Reserve, who should have started hiking interest rates last year, but they maintained their position that inflation was transitory. So they're trying to play a game of catch-up. Those are the two inflation things in this country. But we've also still got supply chain disruptions abroad. And, of course, we've got the Ukraine-Russia conflict. Mm -hmm. So we've got four things that are directly... Going into that inflation number, and here in the United States, our policymakers can directly impact two of them, fiscal policy and monetary policy. Fiscal policy is Congress and what they do with the country's checkbook, and monetary policy is the Federal Reserve and how they manage the flow, the velocity of money within our economy. They can do that by raising interest rates or lowering them. Right now, we're in a period where they're going to raise them. They can buy or sell U.S. Treasuries and mortgage-backed securities when they're buying them. That's called quantitative easing. Right now, effective this month, they have started selling their mortgage-backed securities and their U.S. Treasuries. That's called quantitative tightening, and you're going to see that happen Over the next several months, you're going to see the Fed take a lot of stuff off of their Federal Reserve balance sheet in an effort to slow down the velocity of money and bring inflation back to more normal levels. So you're going to hear lots and lots of stories, lots of headlines, lots of prognosticating about what all that means. This is what the Fed is engineering. Don't let it scare you. And certainly, don't let it scare you off your financial plan.
2: I'm just going to be really glad when I don't have to dish out 75 bucks for a tank of gas. I mean, that's going to be...
3: Well, (laughs) you, me, and everybody else. It's, It's a difficult time, and I do think that our elected leaders are going to work on some energy policy. It may not be until later this year, but... Everyone knows. This is no big secret, right? We know we're paying too much at the pump. We know that the price of groceries have gone sky high. Mm -hmm. Anything that relies on gasoline or diesel as as a mechanism for moving from point A to point B, prices for all of those things have gone up. And that's part of the inflation problem. That's what inflation is.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I heard Larry speak on a couple of shows ago about he's seeing some good positive signs with regards to supply chain. as some of the retailers are actually starting to get an inventory above what they had before, which is good.
3: Yes. And and, and we're in this period of time where things will start changing. And the thing that I want to caution against is taking as gospel... Every single headline you read, or every every news tagline that you hear that says "oh, recession is imminent," mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. we are all still completely scarred from the '08 recession, right? We we saw the markets before go my down.
2: Time, Dana. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I said it's before my time. It's
3: yeah. Okay. Not really. I got you I'm, on kidding. That. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You know, in the 08 recession, we saw markets go down by over 40%. We saw housing prices crater. We saw unemployment go through the roof. And when we think recession, that's what we've got pictured in our minds. Mm -hmm. All recessions don't look like that. In fact, case in point, I will remind you about 2020 and the COVID recession. We absolutely went into a recession as as a result of COVID lockdowns. The market at one point was down 33%, and it was over in a blip. It was over that fast. Fastest recession on record, probably, but we did have a recession, and it was nothing like 2008. And if you go back and you look at other recessions in history, not many of them look like 2008 did. So when you hear the R word, Try not to go back to 2008 in your minds because when, I'll say it this way, if and when we do drop into recession, it's going to be Fed engineered and it's going to be because the Fed raises rates too much and it will slow things down more than they intended but by all accounts, and there's lots and lots of Wall Street types out there prognosticating on this right now, who are saying, you know what, the economy's fundamentally strong. So when we do drop into recession, it shouldn't be a long, hard one. It should be a fairly mild one. Hmm. And again, I will remind our listeners, recessions are a normal part of economic life. Up they and, happen.
2: Uh, up and down. It's got to go. That's um, right. I, I got to ask you about the uh, about the housing market and the and the interest rates. I mean, they've got, gone right up, and it's, it's, sure. it's actually pricing a lot of people out of being able to buy a home where they were able to with the interest rates down around two percent. So, um, what is that? To, are we just seeing that it's because of inflation? That's what's causing all of this, or is it just an ebb and flow along with the economy?
3: All of the above. Okay. Truly, so we've seen a period of time where interest rates have been historically low. For a long, long time, you got
2: spoiled. Back, got really spoiled you, at two percent. I mean, you know. we
3: really did get spoiled. But if you just think about it logically, regardless of how we got there, and we'll talk about that in a minute, if you think about it logically, you cannot buy as much house at five and a half percent as you did at two and a half percent. The math doesn't work. So what does that mean for the housing market? It means the housing market will absolutely slow down, and we're already seeing signs of that okay housing starts dropped by 14% and we're we're looking at the inevitable slowdown of housing demand for new houses, probably demand for existing homes. You may see some continued demand in multifamily units, think Mm -hmm. apartment buildings, uh, condos, things of that nature. But in general, you're going to see the housing market slow down. And that's part, again, that's what the Fed's trying to engineer. If you look at that CPI figure, housing is 40% of it. Mm -hmm. Why is CPI inflation at 8.5%? Well, hey, Housing prices have have just skyrocketed in the past two years, totally. so I've got forty percent of my inflation reading that's tied to this crazy housing market by raising interest rates the fed's purposely slowing that down,
2: yeah. To the chagrin of a lot of folks, but even so, it's it's necessary, it's necessary, we've got to do well, it. Well, it
3: is, and, yeah. and it's it's going to cause some pain for some people, it's going to cause some opportunities for others. Mm-hmm. I've had clients ask me over the past couple of years, hey, do you think I should sell my house, bank my profits, and then wait for a couple of years and buy when the housing market corrects? Well, you know, theoretically, and, and actually logically, it's a good idea, mm-hmm. but... Tell me where you're going to live in the interim, because finding a place to even rent is difficult these days. And then tell me where, where you're going to go when, when you decide that you're tired of renting. It's, it's all a very, um, it, it, it's not a concrete plan.
2: No, but if you have a second home or something like that, it might make sense to either refinance or sell or something like that. But, you know. Perhaps. Perhaps. Yeah, other than that. Hey, listen, if you'd like to dial in and talk to Dean Arnett, our financial and retirement expert here in studio with us this morning, 855 767 3123 is the number to call. 855 Rose 123. Well, we've been talking for a few minutes here. Why don't we take a quick break? We'll be back with more of the Larry Rosenthal show with Dean Arnett in studio here in just a minute. Hang in there.
4: Your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life, but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community. Go to thecdfi.org. Make a difference. Go to thecdfi.org. Get started with your financial plan today at LarryRosenthal.com or call right now for the Financial Planning Toolkit, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123.
2: This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Well, welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show. If you'd like to dial in, 855-767-3123 is the number to call. That's 855-ROSE-123 to talk to Dina Arnett here in studio with us here today. Dina.
3: Hi, good morning. So You know, we've had all this talk today about a bear market and what exactly is a bear market. I think lots of people understand that when an index a a market drops by 20% or more, that's considered bear. But what what are the characteristics of a bear market? What does it look like beyond that? So I want to just spend a little bit of time talking about that this morning. And then after we finish talking about bear markets, I'm going to talk about financial scams. I'm going to talk about what to look for the different types of scams that we're seeing right now and how you can avoid falling prey to those. So I, I think that's a very important thing for everyone to understand, but first bear markets. Mm-hmm. So what does a bear market do to us other than make us completely anxious and and, and worried? Well, bear, bear markets, they come, they go. If you're going to be an investor You need to understand that markets are going to go up, markets are going to come down. There have, in fact, been 26 bear markets in the S&P 500 alone since 1928. But guess what? There's also been 27 bull markets. And the stocks in the bull markets rise significantly over the long term, well beyond any losses that we see in the bear market. So how much can we expect to lose in a bear market? Well, again, I'm talking averages on all of this, and averages being what they are. Some years are better, some years are worse, right? Historically, in a bear market, brace yourselves, bear markets go down on average 36%.
2: Oh, that is a drop.
3: Well, yeah. You know, I just felt my heart drop into my shoes when I said it. (laughs) Yeah. And if that were the only story, nobody would invest in the market, right? Nobody wants to deal with that. Mm -hmm. But guess what? When the bull market starts, and a bull market starts right when the bear market ends, and the bull market typically gains 114% on average. So if I'm looking at the current circumstances and I'm saying, okay, I can expect to lose, on average, 36% every time the market decides it's going to be a bear. But if I hold on, I can turn around and not only recoup my 36%, but I can get a good chunk of that 114% on average Mm -hmm. that the S&P goes up when it's over. Mm. So I think that's a compelling argument for staying in the market, even though even though it feels really awful right now. I have clients ask me, should I sit on the sidelines right now and wait until it's a little bit better? If we could time that consistently.
2: You don't want to miss that uptick when it
3: hits. If, and and I'm just going to say if, if there were a way to know exactly when the market had topped out and then I could get out and just kind of sit on the sidelines until the market bottomed out. And then I could get back in. If oh. there were a way to consistently time that without fail, without mistake, if there were a way to do that, we would be broadcasting live from a beach in Bora Bora.
2: <laughs> Let's try to do that someday.
3: I, uh, You know, <laughs> put it on the bucket list. It sounds like a good plan. <laughs> Joking aside, it is impossible to make that type of timing call consistently there's not an algorithm that does it there's not a there's not a book out there there's not a website out there that can teach you how to consistently do that because if there were somebody would have done it already mm-hmm. and you'd be hearing all about it, and everyone would be managing according to that new algorithm but since we don't have that, what we can do is we can look at typical behavior of markets and we can understand what to expect and then that makes times like this not quite so scary Mm -hmm. so if I look at the average length of a bear market how long on average do these things last they last 289 days that's about nine and a half months Mm -hmm. so if that's the case I I saw an article yesterday on I think it was on CNBC.com they were talking about if this bear market follows its averages, it'll be over mid-October. Well. People are already talking about it, which is exciting. I'm glad I'm not the only one who's looking at this. But if it, if the average length of a bear market is nine and a half months, if I, if I know that on average I'm going to have to put up with this market doing its roller coaster thing for nine and a half months, I want to know how long I can enjoy the upswing later, right? What's my bull market scenario? An average bull market lasts 991 days. Mm. Wow. That's that's two and three quarters years. You know, round up, we're close to three years. We've seen them that lasted a lot longer than that. Yeah. But if I, again, if I'm thinking logically, okay, I've got to endure a bear market for nine and a half months so that I can get 2.7 years of up, that oh. makes it a little more tolerable. And, and never fun, okay? <laughs> it's never fun, but it certainly makes it more tolerable, right?
2: Yeah, and it, sometimes you can get a little bit of a deal going on there and makes a little money in the upswing if you get if you buy it when it's low as well. Hey, can we take a quick second and talk to Terry who is in Arkansas here with us and uh, has a recession question? Terry, welcome. Hey, Terry. Are you with us, Terry? Did we lose you? Well, she's not uh, not there at the moment, I guess. Well,
3: well, when Terry comes back, we'll take her question. Bear market, They're the the long term. Av- I told you we've had twenty six bear markets since nineteen twenty nine on average, we're going to have about three and a half years between bear markets. Some people consider the bull market that ended in 2020, right before COVID, to be the longest one on record. But the bull market that ran from December 1987 until the dot-com crash in March of 2000, it's technically the longest um, we had a drop in, ni- in 1990. Here's here's a fun one for you. We consider 20% the line in the sand for bear markets. In 1990, the S&P almost went into bear market territory. It dropped by 19.9%. Just missed it.
5: Hmm.
3: So they look at the period 1987 to March of 2000 as technically the longest bull market in history that's pretty long but on average you can expect a bear market about every 3.6 years okay well so they're okay. normal yeah <laughs> it's 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 absolutely normal to have a bear market it's absolutely normal to have corrections we get a correction on average about every 8 months and a correction's a 10% pullback so if 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 you're an investor for 50 years, let's do some math. If you're an investor for 50 years, you can expect to live through about 14 or 15 bear markets. It's going to be a normal part of life. Gotcha. Okay.
2: Gotcha. 855 767 3123 is the number to call if you'd like to dial in and talk to Dean Arnett here in studio with us today. Again, 855 Rose 123. We've been talking a lot about the recession. Not yet here, but maybe coming. Who knows? We just don't know for sure. But that's uh, uh, something to consider with regards to where the market is now because it possibly is a buying opportunity for you.
3: Absolutely. And one thing I, I do want to call some attention to there are bear markets. And there are recessions, but they don't always go together, okay? A bear market can exist without a recession. Technically, a recession can exist without a bear market. There have been 26 bear markets since 1929. We already talked about that. But only 15 recessions during that same time. Hmm. The bear market go often goes hand in hand with a slowing economy, which is what we're seeing right now a fed engineered slowing economy, but a declining market does not necessarily mean that recession is imminent, so keep those two things separate in your mind as you as you navigate your financial plan as you try to determine the best diversification for your portfolio. They don't necessarily go together. gotcha, okay,
2: yeah. Well, hey, listen, thanks for listening here today to the Larry Rosenthal Show with Dean Arnett here in studio. You can call in if you'd like to. We have some lines available for you if any questions that you have. Uh, Again, 855-767-3123. We're going to take another quick break here. We'll be back with more of the Larry Rosenthal Show in just a minute. Give us a call here this morning. Thanks for listening.
4: right now with your questions 855-767-3123 that's 855-ROSE-123 coast to coast from the nation's capital this is the Larry Rosenthal show get started with your financial plan today at LarryRosenthal.com or call right now for the financial planning toolkit 855-767-3123 that's 855-ROSE-123 this is the Larry Rosenthal show and here's another money minute with larry rosenthal so many different ways to invest money lump sum
0: deposits buy and hold market timing how about dollar cost averaging put the same amount of money into the same investment at every interval whether it's monthly quarterly annually whatever it may be this gives you the greatest opportunity to get the average price over the long term of the investment because one of the secrets to creating wealth is the acquisition of shares you want to keep buying more and more shares over time On the flip side, when you're in your retirement years and you want to distribute dollars to yourself for income, do the same thing in reverse. Dollar cost average out during your retirement years.
4: Delivering sound financial advice you can depend on. you found the Larry Rosenthal Show. Call now with your questions. 855-767-3123 or stop by LarryRosenthal.com. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show.
2: Well, I appreciate you listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show with Dina Arnett in his studio with us today. 855-767-3123 is our number to call here. Again, 855-ROSE-123.
3: You know, one of the things that I find the longer i'm in this business uh, the more creative the the nefarious types among us are they become more creative they become more technologically advanced and they figure out ways to take your hard earned money it's not enough to have inflation chipping away at it. It's not enough to have taxes chipping away at it. But we've got these people who enact these financial scams all over the place. How many of us have ever gotten a phone call saying, oh, I'm from the IRS, and if you don't pay your IRS <laughs> bill, the federal oh, yeah. marshals are going to show up on your front porch and arrest you?
2: Oh, yeah. That's a little secure to get those. We, <laughs> you
3: Yeah. Know, my, my husband and I used to laugh because these scammers would call, you know, back in the day when we kept a landline at the house, they'd call the landline. And this one guy was always Steve Martin, and it was Steve Martin from the IRS. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> you know, they'd pick these, these well-known names and, and tell us that, you know, if you don't give us a credit card number right now, we're going to send the federal marshals to, to take you in. Mm -hmm. And it's very scary to get those phone calls or you or you get an email saying, hey, grandma, this is this is your grandson, John. I'm backpacking through Europe and I've been hurt and I'm out of money. Can you wire me some money? (laughs) You know, we all want to help because my goodness, grandson, John, he's out in Europe all by himself and he needs money. (laughs) You know, our first inclination is, yeah, I got to help. So what I want to talk about for the remainder of our time today are these scams that are out there. I want you to be aware of them. And if you have elderly parents, I want you to be aware of them on their behalf as well. Discuss these scams with your elderly parents because the elderly are the main targets of oh, these scams. of course. Scams. Yeah. Okay? Yeah.
2: Before and, we get and, to those scams, I want to just grab some phone calls here. We've got a few of them oh, online here. Sure. So, Go ahead. Uh, Denise, are you with us? Hello, are you online with us there? I see we got Denise in two different spots here. Let's try this one.
6: Yes, I'm here.
2: Oh, hi, Denise. Good morning, Denise. Hi,
6: Denise. Hi. Thank you very much for taking my call. I want to uh, share with you a scenario and ask a question about RMDs. The scenario is if an individual has a 401K and an IRA CD certificate, those two items, if they decide that they do not want to take all of the RMD from the 401K, but they prefer to take it from the IRA uh, CD certificate, is that allowed?
3: Absolutely it is. What the IRS requires is that you calculate the required minimum distribution per account, but they don't care where you take it from. If you owe... You know, if you need a $5,000 RMD from the 401K and a $2,500 mm-hmm. RMD from, from the IRA CDs, that's 7500 total. You can take every bit of yeah. that from the CDs. The IRS is concerned that you take the required minimum and that you pay your taxes on it.
6: Yes. Okay. Okay. Because I read something that there was some rule where you couldn't mix two of the... Um, RA items. I'm not sure what it was. I don't know if it was a 403b and a
3: something there, else, but um, There are certain retirement plans that you should not commingle, but that's different okay. from how to distribute the required minimum. Okay. So so you're okay. fine. You're fine to take it all from one source provided that both of them are pre tax accounts so you can't calculate the rmd from the 401k plan and then turn around and take it from a roth ira that doesn't work exactly exactly okay okay now if the uh if the 401k plan has some after
6: tax in it does that matter most of it is pre-tax but there may be a little after tax
3: it won't matter because the after tax (laughs) will not come into the calculation for the rmd But make sure when you take the distribution that it is not pro rata across all types, because if it's pro rata, part of it's going to be after tax, part of it's going to be pre-tax, and you will be penalized for not taking the full taxable RMD. Okay, so, oh, can you repeat that again? You said make sure it's not pro rata. How do you do that? If you're taking a distribution from a 401k plan that's got part after tax and part pre-tax and you go to take the required minimum distribution, you make sure Mm -hmm. to tell them, I want 100% of this distribution to come from the pre-tax. This is an RMD. Most custodians are going to be aware of that, and they will keep them separate anyway, but it bears asking the question.
6: Okay. 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 Okay, because you said otherwise we may take it from the after tax.
3: Don't and that won't work. That will not satisfy the rule.
6: Right, because it'll it'll be like you're paying less than what you really should be paying.
3: That's right. Mhm. Okay. Now, All right. Now, so what you can what you could do to avoid confusion is you could actually enact a rollover of that 401k plan and what would happen when you took took the money out of the 401k plan the pre-tax pieces would go to a traditional ira the after-tax pieces would go to a roth and then you would have those separated out so there was no confusion yes
6: okay okay right and that'll be clear okay
3: yes okay but to and your original question, you can take the whole thing from the CDs, assuming that there's enough C- enough CD money to satisfy the distribution.
6: Okay. And then it's up to the owner to remember or to, to document, I guess, where they took it from, or does it matter once it's taken? Uh, the IRS the, knows it, and you don't have to worry about trying to track this year, the, I took it from
3: here, the next year, I took it from there. No, it doesn't matter where it came from, and you're going to get a 1099-R for every distribution. So that will it will be tracked that way.
6: Okay. the 10. Okay, so the 1099, okay, will be proof that it was paid.
3: Absolutely, yes. Okay,
6: Denise? Okay. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I just want to get that statement again. Just make sure that 100% of the RMD is uh, taken from the... Pre-tax
3: of the four correct, Correct. There you go. Perfect. (laughs) Thank
6: you very much, you all. I love this show. Thank you so much for supplying information to the audience. This is a godsend, and I appreciate you so much, and have a wonderful day.
2: Denise, take care. You
3: have a wonderful day, too, Denise. I love those kind of calls. Thank you.
2: (laughs) Brad is on the line with us from Washington, D.C. Brad, what's your question for Dina today?
3: Hey, Brad.
7: Hi. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, Of course. I'm just... uh, seeking a little bit of advice and we can go back on the scam callers too. Well, the scam callers real quick. Those those uh, 0% interest rate card calls that come through. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything too good to be true, everyone should know is probably too good to be true. Like are people uh, still
3: calling get, are people still calling trying to solicit 0% interest rate cards?
7: Yes.
5: Yes.
3: Really? I I'd
7: probably get <laughs> Uh, where they are saying it's debt re- debt reduction and due to government COVID, you know, relief. Yeah, but, no. I mean, it's, it's no. obviously a scam, <laughs> but it's you know, numbers game. I think, you know, they figure if they call 1,000 people, they might get one or two that actually give their credit card number over the phone, which I would say to any caller, do not do. Oh,
3: yeah. Um, <laughs> What's yeah, your question I, today, Brad?
7: My question is, uh, I'm actually kind of seeking advice. My situation is, I'm 51 years old. Um, In November of this year, I'm eligible to collect a government pension. Uh, It would be around $6,800 a month for the rest of my life. That pension will cover all of my uh, bills that I have now. I could live comfortably, or, you know, I could live adequately. Uh, In addition to the pension, I do have, uh, have some money in stocks uh, in Ameritrade, I had 17,000 in November down to like $9,000 today. Uh, and I have a deferred comp with around $27,000 in it. I have a 30 year mortgage with 2.5% interest. That was just refinanced a couple years ago. Um, so I wouldn't really touch that based on those financial numbers. What advice would you give me moving forward as to the best way to manage my money? Uh, sort of like would now be a good time to put, to buy more stocks in the market since it really, I mean, it's pretty low. It really has no way to go but up. Or what would, what would your advice under those circumstances be? Because I am young. I don't necessarily need to retire in November. Of course, I'm going to do something after that, or I can stay where I am. But I'm just looking for some guidance financially.
3: Sure, there's a whole lot of pieces to this brad i'll I'll hit the low hanging fruit and then what we can do is get a number from you and talk in more detail offline um, i think I think okay. you'll probably find that a bit more helpful, but in general let me let me respond to a couple of your questions here. First of all, would I be investing more right now? Sure, I would. Sure I would, as long as the money is truly long-term money. I would not put money in a stock today if it's money I need in less than two years because right now, economically, as a nation, we've got a lot to overcome. We've got to overcome this inflation thing. We've got to get the fiscal house righted. We've got to get the monetary policy house righted, and it may take some time. I I don't think that the only way From here is up. I think there could be more downside from here. So, as long as you have the ability to wait out whatever downside volatility is left from here, sure, back the truck up. Get some really good quality names. I would not speculate. I wouldn't go throwing thousands in Bitcoin or cryptocurrency at this point. I would look for really good quality companies that have a strong balance sheet, money in the bank, a very, very Definite and loyal customer base and diversified operations. You want to look for companies that may have a sleeve in retail. Maybe they've got a sleeve in cloud computing, maybe they've got a sleeve in other web services or security. You want to look for these types of companies because I think moving out of this period of time, out of this inflationary time and whatever recession may or may not come afterward, I think you're going to want companies that fall into that quality, not speculative category. If you've got time in this and it sounds like you do if you've got time buy some stocks buy some mutual funds buy some sectors that you wish you would have bought a year and a half ago because that's where prices are right now prices are similar to what they were a year and a half ago
7: well i wish i would have started with the deferred comp much much earlier and any young listeners that are on the show right now i would highly encourage you to start investing now <laughs> Uh, I started way too late. Uh, had I started in deferred Comp years ago, I would be much better off. But it's just nothing you're thinking about because back then you're, you're paycheck to paycheck or you have other priorities such as you know, buying stuff for your house or whatever. But to any young listeners, please uh, start investing now.
3: I agree with that 100%. Even if it is 1% of your pay, get something going into your employer-provided plan now. It gives you a tax benefit either now or later. And it also helps you plan for when you're older and need the money. Great call. Thank you, Brad.
2: All right, Brad. Hang hang on there a little second. We'll, uh, We'll get you on the line with Bob so we can get some more information and get some more. You guys can talk a little bit more about this offline if you'd like to. Uh, let's see we got to Joe from uh, Westchester on the line with us from Pennsylvania. I know that area very well. Joe, well, welcome. What's your question?
8: Yeah, I had a question about inflation and uh, my um my belief is that uh inflation is being driven predominantly by oil and gasoline prices that is affecting a lot of different areas. Um and with the the current administration doesn't seem to be helping so i have a hard time seeing what the benefit of, would be for the federal reserve raising interest rates to inflation if that's the main problem with inflation oil and so i'm, I'm concerned about the economy for the next two plus years and wanted your thoughts and what you what you see about about the economy for the next couple of years
3: Sure. Thanks. Great call. Um, So inflation is driven by a number of things. Energy is certainly a component of that. Housing is 40% of our inflation figure. And we've seen what housing has done over the past two years. And housing is the easiest way to understand how interest rate movements affect inflation. If you bought a house three years ago, your mortgage rate was probably 3% or less. Something in that ballpark. If you go to buy a house now, your interest rate is going to be 5% or more. I can't buy as much house at 5% as I could at 3%. So what has to happen is either I keep shopping for a house that's more in my price range. Or housing prices have to come down, and when the Fed's manipulating interest rates, that's the kind of thing they're impacting. They're impacting the velocity of money and how that money is lent and spent. Okay, if I am looking to buy a house, I know how much I can afford at five percent, and if enough people are searching for houses and they have five percent mortgages but the housing prices are too high even for a 5% mortgage, the demand for those houses is going to come down. And when demand comes down, prices come down. So that's a very oversimplistic way of explaining how interest rate movements can affect inflation. You've got to understand the various components of inflation, and there are a lot of them. Housing is a big one. Energy is a big one. Medical care, food, um, all of those all of those component pieces go into it, and you know th- there 's two pieces to the inflation conversation in the united states there 's the Fed and what they do with interest rates and quantitative easing. They can also go in and they can force banks to have higher reserve requirements. they can tell banks look you 've got to keep more cash in the vault, and that has the impact of Pulling money out of the out of the monetary system, Congress and the President also can enact fiscal policy measures mm-hmm. that impact um, inflation i haven 't seen a lot of that okay there's there 's not a lot of that coming out of Congress right now there 's some rumblings, but truly the the ones who control the inflation the most it 's the Federal reserve board that 's it and and Oh, you know, at least fifty going fifty years back. That's how inflation has been loosened. That's how inflation has been tightened. And thus far, the Federal Reserve is a non-political board. They don't, we don't vote for them. They don't have to campaign for office. They are an apolitical organization, which up until this point has been a very, very good thing. And 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 truly while they are sort of playing a game of catch-up with all the interest rate movements. and what, I think that ultimately what they will do is they will bring inflation down to the degree they're able, because there, there are pieces of inflation outside the United States that the Fed and Congress can't do anything with. They can't do anything with supply chain disruptions. They can't do anything with the, the war between Russia and Ukraine. We can do fiscal policy. We can do monetary policy. And and I think right now they know what they need to do. I think they're trying really, really hard not to shock the markets. But I also think if they need to, they will. My two cents worth.
2: (laughs) What do you think? How about that, Joe?
8: Um, Well, I I appreciate that there's more things going on um, that affect inflation besides gas and oil. But I I guess that's what I see. In the day-to-day cost of living, um, is sure, higher sure tax you price do. Prices affecting a lot, and I don't see the Federal Reserve having any impact on that.
3: Okay, fair point. Thanks for the call.
2: Appreciate you, Joe. Thanks for thanks for calling us in here today. Uh We got Elizabeth on the line from again from Pennsylvania. Welcome, Elizabeth. What's your question here for
7: for Dina?
9: Hi. Good morning. Um, good morning. Yes, I was. I was just. uh, Listening, and uh, I just wanted to thank you for affirming <laughs> um, uh, some advice that I received from my own financial advisor um i'm sixty six years old uh I'm still heavily in stocks and uh have been watching with dismay as my <laughs> my uh my uh, portfolio has been going down down down. Yeah. Yeah. This was after a period of considerable growth which was, you know, wonderful. But um I'm I'm really staying the course. I'm not panicking um to sell Good. right now wouldn't make any sense. I would lose money and it would cost me more to get back into the market. And um I'm I'd like to think that I've got, you know, at least another twenty years ahead of me and um there you go. I just yep. Found your comments about, you know, the, the bull and bear market um, really reassuring and, and basically I know that when the market comes back I'm going to do very, very well. So I'm just trying to stay the course here.
3: That's good. Good. Thank you. Thank you for that commentary. Do you have a question I could answer while I've got you on?
9: I don't have a question right now but i really just wanted you know to thank you again for um for your insight um and actually i found it very reassuring so thanks for that
3: i'm so glad that, Elizabeth, was, that that's wonderful that was my goal thank- I, I don't want people freaking out right now yeah. this is a normal part of investor life if you're an investor right. and you don't expect down markets we need to talk about expectations
2: Very good, Elizabeth. Listen, thanks so much for that call. We appreciate you calling. We've got uh, somebody on the line here from South Carolina, so we'll we'll move on to that one. But, uh, again, thanks for the call, and thanks for staying staying in there, hanging in there. You know, it's kind of hard to do sometimes, but it's great uh, over time that it works out for you. 855-767-3123. And Ella is on the line from South Carolina. Good morning. What's your question for Dina? Elja, are you there? Hello, there we go. We got you. <laughs> What's your question here today?
5: Well, Dina, I had a question, but you answered in the last two callers. i <laughs> I was um frantic. I was just um not sure what I should do about my portfolio, and you have just said uh what I needed to hear, and I take your voice of uh as and with confidence that you know what you're talking about so I was frantic. I know that the stock market is is fluctuating, and I wanted to run and hide my eggs under the bed, but uh, you have just calmed my fears and uh, given me a vote of confidence that I can hold on, and I thank you for saying that if you invest money in the stock market, it has to be money that you don't need right away or you don't foresee needing it in the future, in the near future, but yes, I would like to know that there's some money there, so I, I've been listening to you, and I, I just wanted to call in this morning to ask the question about because of the volatility of the market, should we run and hide? But you just told no. me to stand steady, so thank you so much. You answered my question already.
3: Well, God bless you, Ella. Thank you for calling. I appreciate that.
5: You're welcome.
2: We'll see you later. Lila or Lila, I'm not sure which, is on the phone with us uh, from Missouri. Welcome aboard.
5: Thanks for
10: taking my call. I need some advice. Okay. Happy
3: to help. What can I do for you?
10: Thank you. I retired about eight years ago and have a 401K. I was always told never take more than 4% uh, the first couple years so that your money uh, is there for your entire length of retirement, which is what I did. Um, However, I never raised that 4% uh, withholding. For, my, for what I live on, and it's been eight years now. And, of course, the cost of living is going up, and now with this bear market, um, I was going to raise uh, the percentage of my payments, you know, that I take mm-hmm. out. Um, but I'm wondering if I shouldn't take a, a chunk, you know, just to have it in my bank account, or if I should take out a percentage. I'm not sure. What I should do now with this bear market, if I should raise my deduction like to 8% or if I should just take out a chunk.
3: Okay, good, good question. Thank you for that. So the first thing I would say to you is during a bear market like this, you want to be careful how you're taking your distribution. So in a good market, you may be taking a little bit out of every single fund that you have in your 401k plan. If the market's going up, that's a great way to do it. But if the market's going down and the market is in bear territory, which we are, I would be a little more strategic. Strategic about where those distributions come from, I would guess since you're retired, you've probably got an allocation to bonds in the portfolio or perhaps a balanced mutual fund that's got some stocks and bonds in it. Those two things have taken less of a hit than the broad market. So I would look to take distributions from things that haven't gone down 20%. And if you can st- if you can stick to your four percent distribution during this period of time, I think you're better off. And then once things rebound and you and you have positions that are once again trading in positive territory, maybe you rebalance for for um, a little more conservative posture now that you're living on the money. In terms of whether to take a chunk out and just sit it in savings, I wouldn't do that right now. And there's two reasons. First of all, your account values are depleted right now. And then secondly, you're going to pay taxes on the chunk that you take out. So it's going to sort of add insult to injury. I would, at this particular point in time, I would take as little out as possible, take it from the most conservative holdings, leave the most aggressive holdings alone until the market turns back around. And in the meantime, you didn't mention if you have a financial advisor or not. In the meantime, I would do a full risk assessment on that 401k plan. I would look at the current level of risk you're taking. I would look at the list of all of the different funds that are available in that plan and look to see if there are ways to do this better there may be a better way to handle your distributions than what you're doing. There may be a more tax-efficient way to do things. And you may find that the funds within your 401k plan aren't plentiful enough to truly handle the type of asset allocation you need in a time like this. So if you don't have a financial advisor who can do those things for you, we do. Okay, great. Uh, Yeah,
10: I'm tending more toward... a. a bond in my 401k right now and i've been very lucky in that it has grown steadily since i retired in fact it has more in it now than when i retired and i guess i can hang in there and live frugally for another nine months or so
2: hey lila i hate to inter- interrupt you there and i appreciate the phone call we're going to put you on hold because we'll, we'll pick you back up here in a in minute or so we're just Running out of time here, and I know, Dina, you've got some other things you've got to take care of, so we won't be able to stay along for too long. But those of you who are on hold, hang in there. We'll try to get to your questions, and we certainly appreciate you being here on the radio on Sirius XM 131 and on WAVA in Washington, D.C. Uh, We will continue to move over to LarryRosenthal.TV on YouTube. So if you'd like to join us over there, if you're on the radio, you're certainly welcome. We'd love to have you. In the meantime, hang in there for just a couple of minutes. We certainly appreciate you being here and listening to... The Larry Rosenthal Show. See you later.